what are the different parts of a company that make it work and how do those different parts work together? We'll explore that today on Stock Stories, episode five. Thanks for joining me today on Stock Stories, Episode 5. Yeah, today we're going to talk about the anatomy of a company. What makes a company tick? How does that fit within the broader picture of investment? So in the last four episodes, we have talked about why invest at all, why invest in stocks, and what are the different categories of stocks that we can invest in. So now we're down at the individual company level. What is the anatomy of a company? What makes a company work? How does a business work? And we have to answer this very basic question before we can analyze any company for investment because if we don't understand the basic framework for how a company makes money and how it operates, then how can we expect to be a partner in that business successfully? So let's get right into it. There's a book out there. It's called The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. I have not read the book yet, but I have seen some very interesting content from that book. And this guy, Josh Kaufman, he has really thought about what are the different parts of a business and how does a business work? And I think this applies to investors very much so um, for the reason that I mentioned earlier. And even though this book is targeted toward entrepreneurs. So these are the things that he writes about how a company has to operate in order to be successful. And I really like this because it distills it down into very simple parts. So what does a company have to do? A company has to do a few things. It has to create value. It has to market that value. It has to then actually sell it, it has to deliver it, and then it has to make money from it. So if people want to make money from a company long term, it has to do all of those things. Now, let me explain what I mean. So creating value, what, what are you actually making? What, what do people want from you? If you're Sherwin-Williams, then people want paint from you. They want to paint their houses. They want to paint their furniture. They want to paint their cars. If you are Nike, they want that brand name shoe. They want the brand name sports apparel. They want the check on the side of their shoes. You know? Uh, What what is the way that you're going to market your product? How are people even going to know you exist? Are you going to use advertisements? Are you going to put flyers on people's doors? There's so many different ways to advertise now. But how are you going to get the message out? How are you going to sell it? Well, people will know your message. Maybe they might even know your value, but are they actually going to exchange their hard-earned dollars for what you have to give them for their for your product or service? Then once they give you that money, you have to actually fulfill the promise. You've got to deliver that product or service. 
So if you're Amazon and someone clicks that button for Prime, you got to find a way to get them that product within the next two days, which is amazing in and of itself. And then, of course, you have to make a profit from it as a business owner. If you're not making a profit, then you're eventually going to go out of business. And I like the way that Josh Kaufman phrases these things. He says, if you don't provide value, then your business is a hobby. If nobody knows about it, it's a flop. If you don't have any sales, you're effectively working on a nonprofit. If you don't deliver on your promise, then your business is a scam. And if your business doesn't make money, then it's going to be a long-term failure. So all of these things have to work together in order for it to be a true thriving business. And you can break this down for any sort of business, not just the large businesses that I mentioned earlier as examples, but a small business that you start in your garage operates under the same principles. And so we need to look at this carefully if we're going to be investing in other people's businesses. We should understand very clearly where is the value, how are they marketing that value, where are the sales coming from, are they delivering, and how are they delivering, and then, of course, what's the money coming in. So that's how we can understand a company as far as its basic parts. Now, I want to get more into the investing side of this as opposed to the entrepreneurial side, although both both are very important and they're intertwined. So I want to use an example of a company and let's break down these, these different parts. So let's talk about one of the biggest businesses in the world. It's Coca-Cola. All right. Everybody knows Coca-Cola. Um, everyone's had a product of theirs at some point in some form, most likely. And here it goes. So value creation, how does Coca-Cola create value? Well, they make a syrup concentrate that's based on a proprietary formula and that eventually gets turned into soda. So they're creating this special formula, the secret formula They got locked away. Nobody knows the exact ingredients except for a few people in the world. And so they create this syrup concentrate from it and people want it. How do they market it? Well, you've probably seen the TV ads that Coca-Cola creates during Christmas time. They have those cute ads with polar bears running around or sometimes during uh, the summer they'll show a group of friends hanging out by the pool, opening a couple Coca-Colas, you know, very happy advertising. And so that's how they're marketing. Um, fun fact about Coca-Cola is when times are tough, say another a terrorist attack happens or there's a war or something, Coca-Cola reserves the right with its advertisers to pull all of its ads um, off of the airwaves and off of the various mediums it's advertising on because it does not want to associate any of its products with anything that is not happy, any non-happy moment. So that's an interesting mental model there that we can explore later is, is Coca-Cola wants to be associated with happy moments. 
I think their tagline right now in some of their commercials is even open happiness. So they try very hard to get you as a consumer to associate their product and their brand with happiness and those happy moments. And so all of their advertisements reflect that in one way or another. So that's how Coca-Cola markets its products. Sales, how does it sell it? Well, convenience stores, vending machines, restaurants, all over the place. Pretty much anywhere that food is sold, you can probably find a Coca-Cola product, at least in the United States and in many other countries as well. Um, You can find bottled Cokes, canned Cokes, all sorts of variations of the product, depending on the venue. So value delivery, how does Coca-Cola actually deliver the value? So I said earlier that the actual value creation of Coke is the syrup concentrate. A lot of people don't realize that Coca-Cola doesn't actually just make the Coca-Cola bottle of soda as its end product. It doesn't. It makes the syrup concentrate and then it sells that syrup to bottlers who then mix it with carbonated water. They package and label it and then they distribute it within a certain territory to those convenience stores and restaurants that I just talked about. So you have this system of the syrup gets created, it gets sent to the bottlers, the bottlers create the final end product, so there's some value creation there, and then they ultimately send it out to the place where the point of sale is, to the restaurants, etc. And then finance. What are Coca-Cola's finances? Is it profitable? Well, in 2017, it had $1.2 billion in income, net income, and it had assets of $87.8 billion, sales of $35.4 billion, and equity of $18.8 billion. So let me back up for a second. So the income, net income, that's after Coca-Cola pays all of its taxes, all of its employees, all of the costs of doing business, it made $1.2 billion. Now, we'll get into this when we talk about Coca-Cola exclusively, but this is actually not very good. Um, In past years, it's made a lot more money um, relative to the sales. So income is $1.2 billion on sales of $35.4 billion. Man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of billions that's getting spent and not becoming profit um, after the sales are coming in. So we should think about that as potential Coca-Cola investors. And then as far as the assets go, it's got $87.8 billion in recorded assets, but the equity is only $18.8 billion. Well, what does this tell us? So one of the basic accounting foundational equations is the shareholders equity equation and that simply states that the assets of a company are equal to the shareholders equity plus the liabilities so liabilities being debt mainly and other major obligations financial obligations that the company has to pay So it's just like the net worth of your household balance sheet where on one side you have assets, you got your house, your car or whatever, your your investment portfolio. And then on the liability side, you've got all your debts, your 
your loans, um, your credit card loans, whatever. So it works the same way in a corporation. So for assets, it has $87.8 billion, but only $18.8 billion of equity. So that means it has tens of billions of dollars in liabilities. So keep that in mind when you're looking at a company too. We have to look at at the balance sheet. So this kind of segues into the topic of the financial statements. (laughs) So if we're going to understand a company, it's not just these five parts in a broad sense. We have to look in detail at the actual numbers. So, So let's talk about financial statements. So these are the core numbers of the enterprise that tell you what has happened in the recent past up up to the present moment, up to the present year. So every year is a snapshot of data of the life of that company. And we can put the pieces together within these statements to understand what's really going on. So what are the, the different financial statements that we can look at? Well, there are three primary statements. They are the income statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement. And each of these statements has its own distinct role in the in the process of understanding the company's finances and the health of its operations. So let's start with the income statement. The income statement will tell us how much is a company selling, what are its expenses, and what does it get to keep at the end of the day? So that net income number that I mentioned for Coca-Cola, how much net profit is it making? What are the, the expenses involved in order to generate that, etc.? So I'm not going to go over every single minute detail of the income statement right now, but let's go over some of the main parts of this financial statement that are definitely important to know. Right off the bat, let's define some of these terms. So at the very top of the income statement, we're going to see revenue. What is revenue? Very simply, revenue equals sales. How much money are people handing over to the company for whatever they're selling? Revenue equals sales. Then you've got the COGS or cost of goods sold. Cost of goods sold, these are the costs associated with making the product itself or the service. What goes into creating that thing? So if we're Procter & Gamble, what are the costs associated with creating that Tide packaging and the label and the chemicals required to formulate the laundry detergent that's going to go into the bottle itself? What are the costs of goods sold there? So then you have something called SG&A. So SG&A stands for Selling General and Administrative Expenses. And you'll see this on a lot of different income statements for companies. It's pretty standard to categorize things this way. So this is kind of a catch-all category for things like, oh, you have um, administrative expenses for for creating a product or just overhead at the company. So that category is there. Then you have income taxes. So you have to pay taxes and just like people, corporations pay taxes as well. Uh, (laughs) There's often a myth that corporations 
don't pay taxes and and they actually do <laughs> so it just depends on the tax rate of the country that it's selling products in and um, various other factors but there are income taxes there on the income statement then if you work your way down there there are some other things listed but then you get down to like the really important number net income what what is the net earnings of the company so after the company's taken in money they've produced the product it costs them a certain amount they have these general expenses they pay their taxes what's left at the end of the day it's the net income number then you have things like EPS and DPS so EPS will stand for earnings per share so DPS is dividends per share if the company pays out dividends now remember that dividends per share are a portion of the earnings per share so people sometimes confuse earnings with dividends dividends are a portion of the earnings that are being paid out directly to the owners of the company earnings is the net income number earnings is the amount of money the company is making in total so the company's board of directors may decide to pay no dividends they may decide to keep a portion of their earnings and then pay out the other portion as dividends such as in the case of coca-cola um, so what is the per share part well there's also shares outstanding listed on the income statement so the shares outstanding denotes how many shares exist in the open market and so the earnings per share is simply the net income divided by the shares outstanding and that'll tell you the earnings per share and this is a very common metric on Wall Street for analyzing a company's earnings and likewise dividends per share dividends divided by the shares outstanding so those are some of the most important numbers in the income statement to pay attention to so now let's move on to the balance sheet what does a company own and what does it owe it's just like I was talking about earlier with assets and liabilities of coca-cola we have to understand what the company owns and what the company owes in order to get a clearer picture of how the company is going to grow moving forward and what kind of financial position is it in. It's just like um, if someone comes to you and they want you to let, lend them money, they're going to ask what your balance sheet looks like. They want to know, okay, are you able to pay me back, <laughs> basically? So... The same thing happens when companies go to investment banks to raise, uh, issue debt in order to borrow money for their operations. Um, they're going to look at the company's balance sheet and try to figure out, okay, what, how worthy is this company of getting a certain interest rate for a certain amount of money? And so you got the various rating agencies like Standard & Poor's and Moody's and Fitch who they spend tons of time looking at companies' balance sheets and rating their credit worthiness um, in order to determine how safe the bonds they issue are to foreign investors. But enough about bonds. So in the balance sheet, there are two main things. There are assets, 
They're things of value that the company has and owns. Um, underneath the current assets, you'll see something called, or sorry, underneath assets, you'll see something called current assets. These are assets that can be sold within a year's time. So current assets are things like cash or maybe marketable securities that can be sold relatively quickly and are fairly liquid. And the same thing applies to liabilities. So liabilities are debt and other obligations. And current liabilities are liabilities that are owed typically within the next year. So back to that equation that I mentioned earlier, assets equals liabilities plus shareholders equity. So you, as a potential shareholder, want to see that shareholders equity number gradually increasing over time. You want to see the asset growth outpacing the liability growth. Um, And so depending on the company and what phase of life it's in, you'll see very different trends. Sometimes a company will be growing its assets rapidly while growing their debt rapidly. So um, maybe they're borrowing a lot of money in, in preparation for a big acquisition or something like that. Maybe you'll see assets growing and liabilities decreasing, or you'll see both decreasing. So it just depends on the company, but that's what the terms mean, and those are the basics of what a balance sheet is. So let's go on to the last statement, the cash flow statement. So this is an interesting one for me. It's cash in and cash out. How much cash is the company actually taking in and out of its business? So... In this way, it's similar to the income statement, but it doesn't consider non-cash items. Now, it took me a little while to understand exactly why this was different from the income statement because at first glance, they seem kind of like the same thing. Like, okay, what did the company bring in and what are its expenses? But the cash flow statement deals only in the actual cash. So, for example, in the income statement, there are items... uh, that I didn't mention, things like depreciation. So if a company owns real estate, that can get depreciated on its income statement over time, which is going to affect the net earnings of the company. So even though the company has already bought for and paid for that real estate in a certain time frame, over time it's going to record different values on its income statement based on the depreciation rules. And those are the rules under GAAP, or Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. And so all companies in the U.S. abide by these principles when reporting their numbers. And many companies will also give non-GAAP numbers, um, depending on whether they agree or disagree with the methodology. But that's getting getting into a different topic. But So the cash flow statement deals strictly in cash, and... That's great for investors because we can see, okay, how is the timing of the cash flows affecting the business? So the income statement itself, it might show profitability, but a lack of cash flow means that bills are not getting paid. And so a company can look profitable technically, but not actually have the cash to pay the bills due and therefore it'll fail. So those are things that you got to look for. Now, on the cash flow statement, there are three major sections. The first is cash from operations. The second is 
cash from investing, and the third is cash from financing. And these all have very distinct roles. So cash from operations, this is the main part of what you think about when you think about the business, all right? This is how much cash is the company making and spending from its products and services that are getting sold. So, um, yeah, very simply, that's that's what cash from operations is. Cash from investing, how much is the company reinvesting into its own business and where are those cash flows coming from? So what are the, about the cash that goes into research and development or things like that? And then the third one, cash from financing, is the company borrowing money? Is it paying down debt? Is it issuing new stock and raising money that way? That kind of thing is going to be listed in the cash from financing section. And if you add all those three sections together, you'll see what the total cash flow in the company is at a certain point in time. So you can look at the various columns side by side for 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014, etc., and you can see how these numbers change over time, and that'll tell you a general picture of where the cash went. And yeah, it's really important. So those are the three types of financial statements that we need to be aware of. And these can be found in the annual report of a company. So just as a recap, we have the income statement. What are the income and expenses? We have the balance sheet. What are the assets and the liabilities? And then we have the cash flow statement. What was the cash in and what was the cash out? So if you put these three things together, you can really begin to get a clearer picture of the business itself from the financial perspective. And that's a major, major tool that we can use as investors to understand what's going on and figure out if a company is worthy of our capital or worthy of further research, even at the, at the outset. So that's the anatomy of a company. We have those five parts We've got the value creation, we've got the marketing, we have the selling, the delivery, and the finance aspect. And then from a deeper look at the finance aspect, we've got income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow statement. So whenever you're evaluating any business, you can look at it with those different lenses in order to understand if it's going to make a good investment. So that's the end of this introductory series into investing and stocks and anatomy of a company. I'm really excited because the next episode is when we delve into our first company and we're going to do a detailed analysis um, of a company and we're going to really look at it and begin our S&P 500 series. So I'm really excited about that. Tune in next time for that. And yeah, see you next time. The information presented here on Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. 
please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.